Hello, my name is Greg Chastain, and I'm the president of Voices of Hope, and welcome to the Cardinal Cafe. And Ed, welcome back. I missed you last week. I know. You know, I, I had to take care of my real job, the one that allows me to pay my, my mortgage and all the other fun stuff we do. So Yeah, I'm that's what we said. Ed was out paying bills, and I said, I don't really know what you do, but I know you do some science-y stuff. Uh, yeah. that, that was about <laughs> it. But yeah, we missed you. Maria and uh, Dale were more than ample fill-ins for our sports section real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. that was, <laughs> It was. It was awesome. Yeah, we got a lot of good stuff going on. The Bruins are on to round two. Red Sox are back home tonight, and they're out of first place for a minute, but they'll be back in. Yeah, that's okay. And then uh, then we have the Celtics. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah. it'll be nice to watch the Celtics four games in the postseason. I think they'll win one. I've got, to, I've got to hunch they'll win one, but we'll see. If they can put together a complete game, like they played the first half of the first game, then maybe they can win more than one. But yeah, I just if they had Jalen Brown, they would they yeah. would have more of a shot. It's just not. It's too bad he got injured at that point in time. But but Grant Williams is stepping up. He is. He is. And I saw something on his family. His family's incredible. His mother and his sister are both uh, scientists at NASA. Really? Yeah. I don't know what they do, but there was a whole story on uh, women in his life. And he's an athlete. He graduated within four years, and he got his master's at the same time. And wow. An incredible story. So if you get yeah. a chance, look up his story. It's, his family is incredible. But so anyway, welcome back. Glad to have have the home team back again. Yep. Good to be um, here. We don't do a video uh, podcast, but if you could see a video podcast, Ed's got an amazing array of new things behind him. So you'll see Obviously. the photo. You'll see the photo in our uh, in our marketing right. piece. But it's great. Yeah. So yeah, I've got I've got it. the tapestry of all our shows, and Ed's actually mm-hmm. got the playbills of all our shows. So. That's right. So let's get on uh, to our guest this week, Mary McManus. Hi, Mary. How are you? Hi, Mary. Hi, Hi, Ed. I'm doing very well. It's great to see both of you. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. Mary's an incredible inspiration, has an amazing story that we're going to share, and she is the author of a new book called Hope is a Garden, written during pandemic times. So, Mary, you were busy during the pandemic, unlike a lot of us who were sitting around watching Netflix and Tiger King. (laughs) (laughs) And holding Zoom meetings. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you guys also did a lot with music, so... You know, you did you did your Zoom meetings with Voices of Hope, so you weren't total slackers. No, not no, total no. slackers. As you pointed out, again, not a visual medium podcast, but Mary can tell us about her picture on her book at some point about the pandemic yeah. photo she has. <laughs> so, Mary, it's great to see you. You've been around us uh, for quite a while, and we love having you and love having you support us and share everything that we put out there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you found Voices of Hope, or we found you one or the other way? <laughs> we found each other. Yes. So yes. I knew Jordan Rich. I was introduced to him through interesting serendipity after I left the VA. And actually, today happens to be the 14th anniversary of when I took a leap of faith and left my career as a social worker to heal my life. But I met Carol O'Shaughnessy, who's a singer. And she knew Jordan. And when she heard my story, she said, oh, my goodness, you have to. This was in 2008. You have to tell Jordan Rich your story and you'll be on his show. And I was, wow, okay." So then in 2014, he started posting on Facebook about, please come see me in love letters with your beautiful wife, Dana. And I said, oh, I knew nothing about Voices of Hope. I knew nothing about love letters, nothing about the North Shore, because we live in Brookline, so we tend not to 
head up that way. I said, okay, you know, we'll make it a date night. And that's when I met the two of you in Voices of Hope and was treated to an incredible evening of theater. I think we went to a couple of shows in between, but then in 2016, you were at the Runner's World Classic. I had lost touch with Dana, even though we'd been to the shows and there was a a section for the charity. I said, oh my gosh, Dana, we reconnected. I saw your video of singing L'Chaim at the water stop, which was really, really cool. Yes. And then my husband and I, we, you know, we came out to all of your shows and we came to your galas and we're just supporters. And as my husband said, we love bidding on all the silent auction items and we have tons of swag. We used one of your bags for um, grocery shopping until it finally split. But it, it lasted, I think, a good couple of years or so. We have plenty well, more. Oh, we have we have so much more that has uh, been um, <laughs> right. that has We've been uh, a lot of swag. We have a whole room for swag, vintage yeah. swag, as we like to. Call we'll it. have to get Mary a new bag. She needs right. a new shopping bag. Talked about the silent auction. We have stuff that we got for last year that's sitting in my house that I can't wait to get rid of this year. Yeah. We, we've got some good, great items. We have a lot of swag for you, Mary, so don't worry about that. If, if something runs out, we've got plenty plenty stored. Maria Coughlin, who's our uh, our mother of our home up at the Nest in Lawrence, would love to get rid of some of the right. swag that we have. <laughs> like they say, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> the other piece of it is, is that I grew up loving musical theater. I grew up in Westchester. It's it's so fascinating to me as I was getting ready for the show tonight because I had a horrible home life. And in the, one of the last epidemics, I contracted paralytic polio. And my mother was addicted to prescription pain medication and my father fell into alcoholism. But they would take us into New York and we would dine at the finest restaurants and we would see shows. So when I was 11, the first show that I ever saw was She Loves Me. Oh, um, yeah. And Sean Allen Krill talked about this, about the magic of theater. And when yes. the lights go down and you, you have that moment and you're just like mesmerized, there was something that just, I, I really do believe it was a gift that I had this in my life. And then when I was 13, we went in, we saw Fiddler. You know, musical theater just became a part of my life. Also, interestingly enough, my cousin, unfortunately, I lost touch with him. But do you know Paul Blake, the producer of Beautiful? I know the show Beautiful, but I don't know Paul. Don't know Paul. So he was my cousin. After our aunt passed away, we lost touch. Paul was actually in some off-Broadway productions. We used to go to his house, and he had these incredible parties around Christmas time. And I actually got to meet Donna McKechnie and Ken Howard. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, they were in Promises, Promises. And it was just really magical when I discovered Voices of Hope and, you know, your productions. It was just such an incredible treat to be a part of the live theater experience again. I mean, we have some in Boston, but it was just really wonderful also because of your cause. It's so near and dear to Jordan's heart and just knowing the story of your mom that it just made everything that much more magical. Mm. So that's how I found my way to you guys. Yeah, Jordan has been a wonderful supporter and friend forever. We're so glad that you were linked through him so you could find us and we could find you. That's great. Yeah. Wow. So 
the joy and the beauty of theater can just right. take you away from uh, the worst parts of your life and bring you to the best parts of your life. Like Sean said, it was, it's an eye-opening experience and it takes you to a whole new place. When we do our shows, it's for the cause that we do. But once we hit the stage, we're theater geeks and theater people. And it's just, you just get that adrenaline again. And I, I think, Ed, weren't you in Fiddler with us? I think you were in Fiddler. Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> he was Tevia, by the way, everybody yeah. who doesn't know. Yeah. Um, that was an experience for us. But it, yeah. yeah, we're hoping to get back soon. We're um, in talks of trying to get a 2022 season put together here. So the way things are opening up, it's so fast. Right, it's, I know, isn't it? It's, it's, I'm just really surprised that all of a sudden somebody said that they were going to open up and they gave everybody else permission to say, okay, well, we don't want them to be the only ones open, so we're going to open. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, when are we doing to do a show? I'm like, I don't know, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's great that it's opening up quickly because a lot it's it's things are kind of starting to feel normal again. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I want to go back to is your book, because you wrote this during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful book of poetry. We have a couple in here that Ed's, Ed's picked and I picked that are our favorites yeah. that we want to talk about a little bit. But why don't you give us a little bit of background on the story of uh, where you wrote this book? Sure. Well, back in, gosh, 2006. I was diagnosed with something called post-polio syndrome. What happened was everything started breaking down and I started having symptoms that were very similar to when I contracted polio. The limp returned. I had difficulty swallowing. I had difficulty breathing. I was in a lot of pain. I was, I was suffering from fatigue. I had difficulty walking up and down the stairs in my house. Uh, needless to say, I was extremely depressed. I was anxious. I had no idea what was happening to me. And then finally, I got the diagnosis of post-polio syndrome, and they told me to prepare to spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair to either move to a ranch, we live in a Cape, or to adapt our Cape house. And I said, oh, this is not looking good. They told me I had to quit my job. They said that, you know, you might need a feeding tube because of the difficulty swallowing, difficulty breathing. I just said, oh my goodness, what's happening in my life? And so I knew I was at a crossroads in my life. And as I'd often done, I got still and I prayed and I asked for divine guidance. It was in February of 2007. I just got really, really quiet at my dining room table. And I wrote the poem called Running the Race. And I said, why am I writing a poem about running? I was in a toe-up leg brace and I had a cane and I had a wheelchair that I was using if I had to go any distances. And it was really hard for me to work, but I, st I sort of adapted to the work that I was doing. Uh, I wasn't able to push around my veterans the way I used to, and, and I had to make a lot of changes. I had to stop grocery shopping. I couldn't go up and down the stairs to do the laundry. So I said, something has to change and I'm not going to take this diagnosis sitting down. And so the poem flowed out of me and then all this poetry, it was like a spigot turned on in my soul. I just started creating all this poetry. In my mind's eye, I imagined myself running. I, I had this one dream one night and the next day I wrote a poem about dancing in the rain without my leg brace, like Gene Kelly in <laughs> uh, Singing in the Rain. It was just incredible. I visualized myself running free and, and healing my past through forgiveness and gratitude and imagining a very different future for myself. Well, yes, I was very blessed and I, I healed my life with that. And 
the Running the Rays poem foreshadowed my 2009 Boston Marathon run, which is pretty crazy considering I'd never run a day in my life. And as I mentioned, I took a leap of faith. I quit my job in May of 2007, May 25th. So this is really special. Very ironic, yes. Isn't that a synchronicity? I love how that is. (laughs) What happened was when the pandemic happened, I said, oh my God. The first thing was I had a lot of flashbacks to when I had polio. The fear came up and just, it was really intense for me. It was intense for everybody. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But having had contracted polio and I had the vaccine, I had five vaccines. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is just unbelievable to live through two pandemics in one lifetime. And so I said, well, I'm going to start writing again. I started writing it in March, uh, right after we went into lockdown. The interesting thing was I hadn't written poetry I took a hiatus from writing poetry and I was doing a lot of motivational speaking about my running, about my journey of transformation. Right after the pandemic hit, it was like it turned on again. I knew I needed to write and I knew that's what was going to get me through. And the biggest thing is uh, the hope, the theme of hope. And I said, well, you know, after I was diagnosed with post polio syndrome, the biggest thing was my message of hope and healing and possibilities. And I have to see, rather than focusing on the terror that was happening at the time, I knew I had to begin to live in another world. And that's where my writing took me. Now, before 2006, had you written before? Before that first poem or after you sat at the table, did it just for the first time flow out of you? Writing had anything? I actually, I used to write limericks for special occasions. My physical therapist, when I was little, read Dr. Seuss to me. Uh, Before uh, every physical therapy session, she'd prop me up on the the chair next to the table in the waiting room. She had me choose a Dr. Seuss book. She would read it to me. And then during the sessions, which were, needless to say, excruciating, she would have me recite Dr. Seuss back to her in tandem. And that rhythm uh, stayed in my soul all of those years. So I used to, like when my kids were in kindergarten, like I'd do the letter, whatever the letter of the week was, mm-hmm. and I'd write these you know, funny limericks for kids. They were clean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, say, I, I think we've written limericks too, but I think yeah. ours are a little... <laughs> we, we, can't, we can't say those on this podcast. That's yeah. right. So I, you know, I, I would do that, but... I never wrote anything, really. I My major in college was public relations. So I had a journalism professor who taught us how to write, and he was incredible. He was a reporter for The Globe. That was in the days when we used manual typewriters, and we used rolls of paper towel. Through yes. The, and they had an egg timer to write a news story. So I had that training. But no, before that, I had never written. Wow. It says, it says something about the power of prayer and the power of faith. And I know we're all about hope. That's <laughs> Voices of Hope is who we are. So um, your book came at a great time for us when we read it. Oh, thank you. There, there couldn't be you know, any more popular request from our memberships and our friends that when somebody 
needs a prayer, you know, they just reach out and they say, I know you guys have this, these prayer circles. So please say a prayer for my aunt, my uncle, you know, one of my children. And it's always, you know, a huge comfort and it really lifts people. It, it makes a big difference. Yeah. One of the pages you um, put one of my favorite sayings of hope down, it's from uh, Kierkegaard. Hope is a passion for what is possible. And that's one of the ones that I have in my little book when I started Voices of Hope is looking for quotes for hope. And that was one that was always stuck with us. Um, when I saw the book, I'm like, well, this is my book too. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's true. You, you have to have hope. If you don't, there's no light to uh, go running to. And one of the things that we try to instill in our group is we're doing a lot of work behind the scenes, a lot of rehearsal, a lot of time, a lot of downtime. Sometimes it's frustrating. But what you're doing is giving that person you don't even know in your life hope for their future so they could have one more birthday or mm-hmm. one more Christmas or holiday or whatever they're looking for. So we always fall back on that, the hope and faith part. Yeah. And your book is, is full of that. One of the things I kind of want to go back to before we talk a little more about the book is your running. I read the whole story yeah. of your uh, running the marathon. Do you remember what your time was? I'm sure you do, but what was your time? <laughs> Let's see, it was seven hours and 46 minutes. That's still great. That's great. They got me to run a 5K, and I think, did I do it an hour, Ed? (laughs) Well, I thought it was six hours and 52 minutes. Something something like that. (laughs) I'm not a runner, but we did it with uh, Dave McGilvery at uh, at Merrimack the couple of years that he had his uh, run over there. But I just, and we've had a couple of Voices of Hope runners for the Boston Marathon. Yes. I just can't imagine because you never ran before you ran the marathon. And did you do a ton of training before that? Or are you just one of those people that jumped in and ran it? Oh, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've heard those stories and those are incredible. I know, I know. That's no. only Forrest Gump. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, actually, you know, it feels as though that's what happened. But in truth, I declared in February of 2008. February seems to be my month for some reason of, of <laughs> declaration. So... In February of 2008, I was working with a personal trainer. I had been discharged from my outpatient treatment at Spalding Rehab. Again, serendipity brought me to this personal trainer. We actually met through a mutual friend. She was a part of a group called BNI, which is a business networking group. I started my own little greeting card company. New World Greetings, Inspirational Poetry, Amusings for a New World. But my company was called uh, New World Greeting Cards, uh, Original Poetry for Every Occasion. So she invited me to BNI to promote my business. But when I was talking with her and learned about personal training, I wasn't thinking about my business. I was thinking about personal training. I wonder if she can help me. I was still in my leg brace at the time. I couldn't pass the initial assessment. I couldn't do the cardio. I was still very, very deconditioned. But after six months of working with her, uh, we built on the outpatient program from Spalding, from physical therapy. Little by little, I started getting stronger. I was doing a lot of meditation as well. And I was visualizing myself as healthy, whole, free, strong when she would give me exercises to do in between meeting with her, I would just really see myself as healed. And a lot of my meditations, I would see God as my master electrician. I saw that there were new connections being made. 
and the, the, the breaches that happened in my neuromuscular system from the polio were being healed. So after six months, Janine asked me, well, what are your next goals? And I said, oh, I want to I go outside. I want to walk without my leg brace and my cane. I want to feel free in my body. I was a ballerina before oh. polio struck. So I wanted to dance again. I wanted to reignite that, you know, movement and music and all of that. So she's writing everything down and she's getting ready to leave. And she's got literally got her hand on the doorknob. And I said, wait, I have one more goal. And she said, oh, well, what's that? And I said, I want to run the Boston Marathon. Now, most people would say, you're out of your mind. You're still in a leg brace. What are you thinking? She didn't. And she put down her things. And she said, you're going to need a pair of running shoes. <laughs> and she said, sure, let's go for it. And I said, well, do you think I can? And she said, using Henry Ford's quote, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. She sent me to Marathon Sports. I got my first pair of running shoes ever. And I met this wonderful angel who I'm, I'm still friends with him in the Marathon Sports family today. And she took me outside and she taught me how to run. And she said, it's just like walking only a little faster. Well, when my daughter and husband found out about it, they thought, she's not really going to do it. Oh, let's, let's string her along and let's tell her we're going to do it with her. They were kind of shocked <laughs> to discover. <laughs> I was serious. Uh, they came along for the ride, and then they started getting serious too, and Janine trained us. That's how we became Team McManus. And on April 20th of 2009, as I said, after seven-plus hours, we crossed the finish line of the Boston Marathon. Wow. Yeah, there's that great photo of you uh, wrapped in foil. But yeah, I just, in, for those who don't know, the Boston Marathon in April is a lovely day to run. But as our friends who have ran it before have discovered, it's tough to train because you're training in the middle of winter in Boston. Right. Now, were you in Brookline at that time? Yeah. Training at, and running the streets of Brookline and right. all that? or Yeah. Because I, I know how great they, uh, you know, shoveled the sidewalks around here. Yeah. <laughs> I lived in Brookline for two years also. I think I followed you around. No, I, Greg, right? It's, it's tough because when uh, we had our friend uh, Roger Desjardins, who was a guest earlier this year, he ran it for us. And then Chrissy Ceratani's run it twice. Yep. And they said the day the marathon is fine. It's it's those months leading up where they're right. out at you know six in the morning. It's ten below zero, and they're still they've got to run it and they've right. got to do it. To know all the things that you went through to get there is just it's incredible. Yeah. And um, you know I've seen a lot of lifetime movies, and I think you you need a lifetime movie. Yeah, no um, kidding. It's really funny you say that because when I spoke the last event I spoke at was in Hyannis at the Hyannis Marathon Expo, and I shared the stage with Bill Rogers. When we got off the stage, he said to me, they have to make a movie about your life. Yep. I was like, I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's just an incredible story. You know, it's so inspirational. So exactly. And again, back to your book, it, the, uh, the poems, after what, listening what you've gone through and, and the pain you've gone through, to give back to others through this book to help them get through 2021 or 2020 and now 2021 and, and beyond, the book is more is more healing for a lot of things other than the pandemic. So right. uh, thank you for writing all those. Um, oh, I, I know, Ed, you had a couple of passages you, yeah. you, you picked out and then I'm going to pick out, I'm going to share mine that I found. Okay. 
so Obviously, inspirational. The, the one of the, one of the passages that really struck me, and I just love the phrasing. It's in your poem, "All Clear," uh, and you're, you're just just you know just listening to your story, and and a lot of people, and you've talked about this. I think you talked about this in your preface that a lot of people can f- would feel potentially bitter and like the why me, right? And just lament over the fact that they've been dealt this this bad hand. And, you know, a lot of people just turn inward and they never really recover from that. The one line in here that says, storms of adversity passing, compass of kindness adjust your sail. I just love, I just love that expression, compass of kindness. It's just such a beautiful yeah. visual. When I see something like that, I've written some things in the past, and sometimes things just come to you, and you just and you just throw them down. But you know, just curious if there was something that was special that helped form that you know those words in you, or if it just flowed to you. It it literally just flowed to me. All of these poems, either they were inspired on a run. Thank goodness that we had running in our lives because that really was a, a sanity saver uh, during the pandemic. But a lot of times it would just come to me through my meditation. A lot of times phrases would come to me or I just have my laptop open. I say, huh, let's let me see what what comes. <laughs> one of the one of the biggest things I'm often asked, and I, I get emotional when I say this, how come you didn't get bitter and angry? How could you possibly forgive your family for what, what they wrought on you, especially after polio, um, when I was so vulnerable? And what I realized is after the diagnosis of post-polio was forgiveness and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And to be thankful for all these gifts, because I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't be able to inspire others. I realized that the only way to be is kind, the only way to be is compassionate, because I, well, I also read Nelson Mandela, you know, people who've been through horrors as well. It comes down to what are you going to do? What are you going to choose? I, I mentioned one of my favorite shows is The West Wing. And there's uh, this beautiful- One of the best written shows and, ever. And there's a scene between Charlie and Zoe where she says, how come you became one of the good guys after you know all that he'd been through as a black man and mm-hmm. losing his mom and things like that? His response is that it was the only choice they had, basically, in essence. That's what I came to discover. I really believe that a lot of the symptoms of post-polio was the anger, was a lot of the feelings that I never dealt with that really needed to be transformed and to be healed. One of our staples, Beautiful City from Godspell, there's a line that says, you can give up bitter and battered, or you can slowly start to build. And that's just you know, yeah. a perfect example. Some people ask me why I started doing this. Was I angry at my mom passing from cancer and at the moment in the in the moment you kind of you are but being with her at the end and seeing how she handled it and she was happy and knew knew what was coming and uh the way she lived her life the last couple of weeks and we had a lot of fun those last couple of weeks she wasn't bitter she was she was upset that 
we were going to be alone. She wasn't bitter about her her issues. So the, you try to take that through um, these last 11 years of Voices of Hope and, and turn that around and continue her looking forward and, and hope as well. So it's, it's it's the same thing you were talking about. It's it's, it's really all you can do. Uh, Marie and Dale said it last time on our last podcast. Mm-hmm. Being nice is easy. Being kind is easy. Being hopeful is easy. And that's what you, and if you put that out there, then that's, that's what, that's what you're going to be. And if it feels much better to yep. be that way than to uh, be negative and bitter. It's a lot less um, work to be kind than to be angry. Exactly. <laughs> so much more effort into being angry at somebody or at something. Exactly. I'm always t- more tired when I'm yelling at the Red Sox on TV than when I'm like, oh, it's just a game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's an incredible story, Mary. I, 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 you know, we could talk forever, and I'm sure you've got a million stories. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have to have you back on. Absolutely. And, oh, and chat some more. Thanks. But I do, I do want to read my favorite one from this book. And it kind of goes to what we've all been going through and, and who we rely on. It's called Keep the Faith. Mm. It's my favorite one in there. And it's a lot of things we talk about at Voices of Hope. When challenges arise, keep the faith close to your open heart. Be grateful. See blessings on horizontal wonderful happenings waiting for you. See signs and angels guide guardians of your well-being. Always by your side, believing and seeing, joy and journeying, navigating turbulent waters, powerful oars to negotiate rapids. Deliciousness and oneness, strength of source deep within. Feel the rush, ride the waves, heart pounding, keep the faith, safely arriving on shore. And a lot of those words we use in our circle time that we have with our members. Before every rehearsal, we sit down with every cast member and we go around a circle and ask them why they're here, who they're performing for, and what story they want to tell to us. Those sessions sometimes go three or four hours, but they're so worth it. Mm-hmm. And what stood out in this poem to me were the words that I hear all the time. It's the joy of the journey of that we're going through. We have guardian angels all the time. Some people say we're their guardian angel, especially like Ed was saying when we're asking for prayers for people. Mm-hmm. And then it's uh, feel the rush, ride the waves, heart pounding, keep the faith, and slavely arriving on shore. And that's what we try and do. We keep the faith. We keep pushing. We keep riding those waves, whether they be positive or negative, depending on who we're performing for, who we're trying to hold their hands for. And that's why that's my favorite poem, because it hits every every note that Voices of Hope puts out yeah. there. And if you haven't got this book yet, please go get it. It's a beautiful Absolutely. book of poetry. Where's the best place to pick it up, Mary? Because I know there's MaryMcManus.com, but I'm sure it's out there. Um, yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Yep. That's the best place. And also, I do have some author copies. So if people want to reach out to me through my social media, all the links are on my website at MaryMcManus.com. Private message me or send me a tweet. <laughs> DNA, <laughs> uh, the wonders of social media. So I'd be happy to get out autographed copies. I just ordered some more author copies and you also get a bookmark now with it. Thank you for your, your kind words. I must say I have beautiful bookmark. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I couldn't remember if I had them in time to send them to you. One of the things that has really moved me about this book, now I've written, I have a, an anthology of poems. I have my trilogy of transformation. I have been absolutely amazed by the feedback I've gotten about this book. I never expected it. I wrote it for me to get me through the pandemic. 
Yeah, I self-published it. People have been telling me that they have it on their bedstand. They take it with them when they go for a walk and they sit down on a, on a bench and that they're savoring my words. I'm very humble, as you can imagine, that I know that I'm a, I'm a vessel. I'm the channel for those words from, from the divine, really, and from my guardian angel. I'm just so in awe of how this beautiful book could come out of such a dark time in our history, uh, such an incredibly dark time in so many ways. And here's this beautiful garden. Yep. Yeah. You know, one of the things we talked about in our group was we have these uh, Zoom meetings, as we call them, but it was kind of like a Zoom circle. We all got together and told our stories. But one of the things for me that came out of the pandemic um, in those dark times was how we also realized how many friends we actually have around us to help lift us up during those times. We have um, over 150 members in our group, as you know, and each one of them pretty much at one point in time needed a lift and they put something on Facebook or, or send a note out and boom, there's a hundred people responding to them saying, what do you need? What do you want? Sending, you know, sending gift cards for food. If they're down, like go find, go buy something fun, you know? And that's, that's what really inspired me through the pandemic is to see how much we could take care of each other when we can't be together. And this book goes a long way with that as well. Kind of like self-healing as well. It's a selfish thing to want to sit there and read that book when you also should be giving it out to others. And so we thank you for uh, your poetry and for your guardian angel to dumping that poetry through you. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, and the other thing too, that, that we found was giving our friends who are small business owners uh, we bought gift cards. We supported our restaurants. We were so blessed. My husband's job was not affected. He was able to work remotely. So we were okay financially. And so one of the things that we made a practice of was giving back. As you said, you know, reaching out, what can we do to help? And even something as simple on a run, there's an essay about the wave. And one day my daughter and I decided that even though we were masked, we were going to smile with our eyes and we were going to wave to every person we passed. <laughs> it was infectious. It was absolutely infectious. People were honking and people waved back. And, you know, here we were socially distanced, not knowing what was going to happen. How are we going to find our way out of this? So there's so much we can do during those challenging times. You know, we're also so blessed to have a gift of each other. And our yeah, friends. it's like, like President Biden said when he announced the mask mandate is coming down. He's like, take off your mask and just smile at each other. You haven't been able to do that for 14 months. You haven't been able to right. smile at a neighbor. And it just makes so much difference to that helps you breathe a little bit better when you yeah. go to the store. But just to see people again and people smiling for those who are, you know, smile back and everything, like you said, it's just infectious. It's a great thing to give back in, in, in just a small way like that. You know, I saw one of my daughters today. We'd seen each other through the pandemic, but there were always driveway visits and masks, you know, and the grandkids as well. You know, I picked her up. She used in the car. We didn't have to have a mask on. We were both mm -hmm. vaccinated. We were able to hug. I was able to hug my grandson for the first time like in, in over a year. And like he shot up six inches in that one year. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to readjust my hug position. You know, as human beings, we crave that contact. You know, we need that 
um, interaction with with each other, and to have been denied that over the last fourteen months, you just learn to appreciate some of the simple things. So we like to support our uh, sponsors um, through the pandemic that have been supporting us for the years. So we just went back to uh, one of our bigger sponsors over the years is Fuddruckers. We just went back to Fuddruckers restaurant over at uh, Jordan's Furniture in Reading and had an outdoor picnic in the uh, parking lot on a 90 degree sa- uh, Sunday. But it was nice to to go up to them and, and kind of give back and help support them because they've been struggling. It's moving forward and they can't wait for the next steps to happen. But we're getting back there and we're healing because of things like Mary's book. Again, it's called Hope is a Garden, Amazon.com, MaryMcManus.com. It's M-A-R-Y-M-C-M-A-N-U-S.com. We'll also put all that stuff in our liner notes. So when you click on the podcast, you'll see the links to all that stuff. And uh, Mary, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, We'll have to have you back because I'm sure you're going to keep writing. The interesting thing is I started blogging again. I had stopped the Adventures of Runner Girl blog, and then every blog title has to do with the title of my latest book. So now I'm doing Hope is a Garden as oh. my latest blog. So I'm still writing, and there have been a few poems trickling out here and there, but my sense is, is that as we open up more, that there's going to be a lot more that comes out through my writing. One of the things I am just so ecstatic about is being able to hug my friends again, meeting mm-hmm. for lunch. Yes. We have tickets for Jagged Little Pill in October. I- we haven't been to New York. We haven't been to any shows. Uh, usually we'd come to your shows. It's just so thrilling. Uh, we have a hotel reservation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess if you can't see us, a Broadway show will have to do. Yeah. <laughs> but again, Mary, thank you very much. Oh, we'll ha- we'll have to have you back. Much. Absolutely. And we're looking uh, forward to seeing you in person. Yes. Very yeah. soon. We can hug. We can hug. That's right. <laughs> awesome. We're fully vaxxed. No problem. Um, very good. All fully vaxxed. Our whole family is fully vaxxed. So that, yep. Same. Yeah. We are as well. Do you have any idea of like now? First of all, is the golf classic going to be in person? Yes, it is in person. We had it in person last year, believe it or not, because they let people golf. We just only could golf. We couldn't do anything else. So I was like, golf and get out of there. Right. Um, pretty but much. Ed is our uh, golf guy. So I'll let Ed share that right. information. So our golf tournament is still on. It will be back at the Four Oaks Country Club in Drakeit, Mass on July 22nd. That's a Thursday, 8 o'clock shotgun start. We are hoping to fill up this year. Like Greg was saying, last year was our biggest year. We had, I think, 90 golfers. Yeah. And the only reason we had only 90 golfers is because they only had 90 golf carts available. The Massachusetts regulations stipulated that if you were going to be on a golf course, people couldn't share golf carts like they normally would unless you were from the same family. So every everybody that was was there that wasn't with a family member had to have their own golf cart. But we we could have easily have filled up the course with 144 golfers. That's available this year. People can ride together. You know, you're you're fully vaccinated. I'm sure most all the regulations will be um, lifted by the time the tournament rolls around. Registration is open at vohgolf.com. We're looking for sponsors. I'm going to be putting together a program book so you can buy an ad in the program book, the event book. 
um, which will be seen by everybody in the tournament. Or we have love lines, tea box sponsors, lots of different things that you can contribute if you want to be a part of that. But just come and be a part of the tournament. It's an awesome day. It's a gorgeous course. Beautiful course, yeah. And after we play, there's a dinner, a nice Italian pasta-style dinner. But we're going to have some amazing auction items after as well. The Patriots sent us a Julian Edelman jersey. Um, We've got a few signed baseballs from some of the Red Sox. We've got a house in New Hampshire for the week. Some really fun and exciting items. And tell them about our putting contest. That's my favorite thing. Oh, my God. That was such (laughs) a big hit last year. So... People would donate a bottle of liquor, vodka, whiskey, wine, bourbons, good scotch. The bottles were placed out on the putting green. People would you know, buy three chances to putt and hit one of the bottles. And if you hit a bottle on your putt, you would win it. People tried and tried and tried. Pretty, just about every single bottle went yeah. um, by the end. But it was, it was a huge hit. Yeah, that's Um, one of the questions we get back right away. Like, are you guys doing the putting contest again? (laughs) Like, yeah, we have other things, but the putting contest, right? Like, yes, we're doing the putting contest again. It's going to be fun. It's going to be live. Like I said, it's a beautiful course and and they treat you really well there. And also a couple of other things we've got going. We just got booked to sing the national anthem for the Worcester Woo Sox. I can't say it very well. I'm just going to say the Woo Sox. I'm not going to say Worcester anymore because I can't say Worcester Woo. Woo Sox, August 15th, family picnic day. So... It's a Sunday, one o'clock. So if you don't have tickets for that game, go out there. We're working on a couple of other things now virtually that we're going to be publishing this summer. And then, like I said, we're talking about 2022. So we've got a lot of good things going on. Mary, thank you very much again. Thank you so uh, much, You're Mary. so welcome. And let me just put in, too, that a really easy way to donate to Voices of Hope is your Amazon Smile especially <laughs> during the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. It's amazing how those dollars add up. It does. Yeah. It so does. when you go and purchase Mary's book, use your Amazon smile to purchase right. Mary's book. Look and for Voices of Hope. hope. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, purchase many copies because then we get more. And then you can give them to your right. friends because it is, it is a book you should give to your friends and share. It's one of those, like you said, nightstand books that when you go to bed at night, just read a couple of passages and uh, you go to sleep full of hope. That's right. All right, guys. Thank you very much, Mary. Thank you. We'll see you soon in person. Yes. Ed, I'll see you tomorrow night at rehearsal. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. You guys are the absolute best. Thank you. You are Mary. Thank you so much. And thank you to Dan Tebow for engineering. And we will see you next week. Take care, everybody. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.